You are listening to Absent Minded, brought to you by HabsEyesOnThePrize.com. Hello and welcome to Absent Minded Extra. A little bit late because it was past midnight when the trade happened last night in Europe. Matt is here with me. And uh, Matt, what is your reaction to the uh, Tanner Pearson uh, trade? I mean, I, I think it does precisely what Kent Hughes was looking to do. Um, I, I don't think this is uh, I don't think this is the kind of trade that's going to all of a sudden put him in the playoffs or anything like that. But uh, I definitely think that this is along the like, especially when you look at it within the greater context of the other moves that he's made. Uh, this this definitely fits where he's he's trying to stack assets. He's trying to build up draft capital, and uh, hopefully this is going to help them uh, to actually finish this rebuild in the future. Yeah, a third round pick uh, and and Tanner Pearson, no retained salary from the Canucks, but uh, losing the Smith as well, uh, which was an, a player that was a surplus at the moment. Yeah, and look, they they had a bit of a crowd increase going on, right? There, something had to give there. There's no way that they were rolling into the season with three NHL goalies, uh, which they had. They had Samuel Montembeau, Jake Allen, and Casey DeSmith, all you know, NHL goalies in their own right. Um, I don't I don't necessarily think any of them was going to be, you know, the future starter of the Montreal Canadiens. I think if anybody had the best shot, it's probably Semyon Moltambo because he's the youngest. So it made sense to trade one of Casey DeSmith or Jake Allen at the very least before this season started. So losing him, not a big deal. Tanner Pearson coming back the other way. Um, you know, I would have liked to see Vancouver retain a little bit of salary, but at the end of the day, um, Tanner Pearson is done after this year. He's got one year left on his deal. It's this year. And that could make him an attractive rental. If he has a decent season with the Habs, they could potentially flip him before the deadline to a, a playoff team that might be looking for that kind of player. So, uh, look, it's it, 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 again, it would have been nice to see them retain a little bit of salary just to make things simpler for Montreal from a cap perspective. But I, I don't think that, you know, I don't think it was worth haggling them and trying to get them to take some of that salary when in reality he's off the books at the end of the year regardless of what happens yeah and also if you retain salary if you ask Canucks to retain some salary you're probably going to end up with a fourth or fifth round pick a third round pick has higher value yeah maybe so so there is that as well realistically though what can what kind of expectations should we have on Tanner Pearson Um, where where would we put him in the lineup there are two questions for you to ask uh, to answer I mean there's well there's it's, it's a two-part question there right so number one what can we expect i mean he was hurt almost the entire year last year he played what 14 13 games for the vancouver canucks um so there's not a whole lot it's it's tough to get a read on that but i know for a fact mac bergevin was super interested in trying to get tanner pearson back in the day when he was playing for la and bergevin was the general manager in montreal um he's a player that you know i as far as i know he four checks pretty well um tops out around 30 to 40 maybe a little bit more than 40 points per season so i think if he stays healthy i think it's reasonable that they can expect somewhere in the 30 point range for him um and where does he slot in in the lineup well for me it's bottom six uh i don't think he can expect to be you know walking into a top six role i think they've got players that they're really trying to develop in those roles and he's he's just not going to be able to get that you know premier positioning in the lineup however that being said it's entirely possible if they run into some injuries during the season that he could end up bumping up the lineup. He's a guy with a lot of experience. So, you know, he can probably play up and down your lineup if the need arises. 
I think most Habs fans are probably hoping that they have a little bit better injury luck and that they don't need somebody to step further up in their lineup like that. But it, it is a possibility. And it's something that uh, he brings in terms of a little bit of flexibility for Martin Saint-Louis is if things start to go wrong again on the injury front, at least he's got a guy that he knows has a lot of experience and can step into one of those roles. You, you mentioned, you know, you have players that you want to develop, but you also want to have a, as much... Uh, in return for a possible trade, would you could you see him end up on the second line and and maybe uh, sort out some of his goal scoring and and by thereby by default getting us maybe a second round pick or or, or a second and a third come deadline. Look, I I I think that's 100 possible if they want to showcase him if they really want to put themselves in the best position to be able to flip him. Uh, they'll have to give him some looks uh, a little bit higher up in the lineup. He's, if, if you really want to flip him, it's going to be tough to do that if he's just playing nothing but fourth line minutes all season long. Um, that being said, you know, you can get to the end of the year and if, and if he's got some decent stats, you can also pretty easily eat half that salary and retention, um, make him a little bit cheaper, make him a little bit more attractive for the other teams that might be looking at his services. And sure, maybe they can get a second round pick. Maybe they can get a third round pick out of him uh, and stack this up even more. Because if you look at this, summer this offseason overall right essentially what kent hughes has done is he's turned rem pitlick and mike hoffman into nathan Ligahe, a second rounder from pittsburgh tanner pearson a third rounder from vancouver gustav lindstrom and a fourth rounder from detroit now the the fourth rounder from detroit i believe is conditional but just look at how much he got out of mike hoffman and rem pitlick if you told me Two you take half ago, of that said, on, Matt, on, this a, is, on a good day. I'd take half of it on a good day. I'd take, ju- you know, just the second and the third, and I'd be like, all right, we're, we're out of here, and we're making out like bandits. Now when you look at it and you look at the overall body of work, this is some brilliant work by Kent Hughes. It, it, it Indeed it is, and, and I think, you know, it speaks volumes. It also creates a little bit of a problem, though, you opened some spaces with moving Hoffman and uh, Pitlick, uh, four younger players. Um, you have Anderson coming in. You want Ilanen up. You have Heinemann that is on the cusp. You have other players that are on the cusp. You know, Roy, your, your baby, Roy. Uh, you have Kidney mm-hmm. there as well. You know, th- there are some players you wouldn't mind having in a bottom six role trying to expand into the NHL and build up from there. But, but, that now you have to consider when you do mock lineups, etc., who is on waivers, who needs mm-hmm. waivers to go down, who can bypass waivers going down. And that puts a player like Heinemann is most certainly now penciled in at Laval. Yeah, so that was my one concern. Uh, I think I tweeted out right after the trade. I said, I, I love adding a pick for a guy that was never going to be the goalie in Montreal. Anyways, I don't love adding a player on the wrong side of 30 who could potentially take up space for a younger player. Now that again, not to be a broken record. I think I feel like I've said this many times, but that being said, um, I, I do think the one that concerns me the most is uh, Jesse Elin. Like you said, I think he deserves a shot. He was almost a point per game during his time in Laval last year. He looked very not out of place when he was up with the Habs uh, for the stint that he got. I think he deserves a shot at a legitimate, you know, day one and season long lineup spot. 
I think he does. And if Tanner Pearson were to push Jesse Elin and out, that would rub me the wrong way pretty significantly. As for some of the other guys that you mentioned, uh, Haneman, he had, he had a short run with Laval. So I think he could maybe, he, I, I don't think it's the end of the world if he has to go back there and, and start the season there. Uh, Joshua Hawaii, one of my favorite prospects, as we all know, uh, I would love to see him play some games in a Montreal Canadiens uniform this season, but I have said time and time again, I think you want to ease him in. I don't think you want to overload him right away. I think getting him some games in Laval would, would not be a bad thing. Riley Kidney, I'd say the absolute, uh, the absolute best place for him to start is going to be in, in Laval for sure. I wouldn't want to see him jump right to the Montreal Canadiens. So some of these guys need some time in Laval anyways. The one that would really bug me, though, is Elon. Uh, I, I just I really think he deserves a shot. Uh, I would rather see him get minutes than Tanner Pearson personally, uh, regardless of any trades that might happen in the future. Uh, I, I just think that he deserves it. And, and I hope that this doesn't lead to somebody getting pushed out. And we must consider the possibility that Ken Hughes might not be done before the season starts, he might look at that exact waiver situation that you're talking about and go, well, listen, I'm going to have to put somebody on waivers. And instead of doing that, maybe he orchestrates another quick trade uh, and moves out some of that dead weight. Um, they still got Christian Dvorak, right? And Christian Dvorak, you know, might feel a little bit rude to call him dead weight because he's a pretty decent player in his own right. But um, I, I feel like he needs to move. I feel like maybe Kent Hughes might be able to find a, a new home for one or two more forwards before the season even starts and then kind of take away this concern of, you know, who might have to go on waivers altogether. And you have the same problem on defense. You got Lindstrom, you got uh, Norlander. Uh, with all the young guys coming up, these guys are, you know, I'm, it hurts me to say it as a Swede, but they're sort of expendable right now. Yeah, and especially when you're looking at the defense, I mean, uh, they, they just have too many defense, right? It's not everybody is going to have a spot coming out of camp. Um, I, I think it's going to be tough for any rookies to kind of push their way into the lineup in Montreal. Uh, they've just got too many NHL ready players that are already there. Um, we'll see though. Camp's going to come around. And again, I'd say the same thing for defense that I said for the forwards, it's entirely possible that Kent Hughes looks to continue this trend of moving players out and trying to stack up this draft capital. He's done a really good job so far, and he's gotten a heck of a lot more than we could have expected him to get. In, in a way, it is a discussion for another podcast. But looking at a play like Norlander, if his season doesn't start very well, would you consider buying him out? What's the buyout cost on him? I think is the question that we need to ask ourselves. Because let's take a look right now. I can go to Cap Friendly as we're speaking. And if it doesn't it's have an entry level deal, cap, so it's not going to be huge. Matthias Norlander. Let's do this live. So when we go to Cap Friendly, and you're right, he's on an ELC. Uh, cap hit $859,167. And we do a quick little Cap Friendly buyout on this. Is he even eligible for a buyout on an entry-level deal? Yeah, I think because Rewi was, even if he was, uh, you know, I don't know if it's a, you can just terminate the contract as well. Uh, one or the other. I don't know if it how it works, but uh, yeah, you, you could at least release him in one way or another. Uh, would that be an option, you think? I mean, I hate to say it because it's a player that I think a lot of us were high on um, as he was developing in Europe. I, I think it's entirely possible. I think 
it just hasn't gone his way. Um, I don't think he was particularly bad in the games that he played last year for Laval, but you know, I just, I don't think it's worked out so far. And I think that they're probably looking to move on from him. Like I said, when it comes to defense, they've got a lot of prospects coming up. They've got a lot of guys that are already in the NHL. I mean, Caden Gooley went straight there. Uh, we're going to see him this season. Arbor Jack guys there. Uh, Mike Matheson's been looking fantastic. They've still got David Savard. Um, William Trudeau looked excellent at the, um, at the rookie showcase just this past week. It's you've got a lot of guys coming up. Logan might use there. Um, it's going to be tough for him to find a spot and to stick in a spot. If he's okay playing in Laval, um, then he can probably carve himself out a role there. The thing uh, is, Laval is, going to be, Laval is going to be stacked as well. And you got younger players coming up with, but like yeah. as we see it right now, more potential. <laughs> they are going to be pretty stacked. And, and that's the thing, right? Is, as you mentioned, he would have to start the year pretty hot and he'd have to like take hold of a spot and not let it go. I don't know if he can do that at this point. I think even, you know, as high as we've always been at eyes on the prize on Matthias Norlander, you saw how much he dropped in the top 25 under 25. The perception about him within the fan base has definitely gone considerably down. And you got to think that the perception of him within the organization has probably gone down a little bit as well. Yeah, and then you got Lindstrom who's you know, he has to go through waivers uh, going down as well. Um, I, I can actually, truly honest, see both of them end up in Sweden from November. Entirely possible. I mean, I, I don't think that the Habs are going to move mountains to keep Gustav Lindstrom in any lineup, whether it be the Habs or, or the Laval Rocket. I think the main point of that trade was really to get an extra body and to get the pick. And... Uh, Obviously, Jeff Petrie, they, they wanted to help accommodate him and get him to go back and play home, play at, at home uh, towards the end of his career here. So, look, I, I, I got to agree with you 100%. It's entirely possible that a couple months from now, we see both those guys in Sweden. Going back to where we started, and uh, I know it's been a little bit of a roundabout way to get there, but how do you grade this trade? I mean, we know how we grade the trade tree because that is a, a straight A without any problems, but how do you grade the trade in general oh, yeah. for Tanner Pearson? You know what? I'd give that one, uh, I'd give it an A minus. I'm not willing to go up to A plus or anything like that. I think a third round pick is, you know, it's, it's a bag of magic beans. You don't know what you're going to get, but I love putting more picks uh, into the, you know, into the system and giving them, you know, as Ken Hughes mentioned, some more capital that they can maybe go out and hypothetically overpay. Uh, for a player when they're ready to actually compete. You see them really going after 2025 picks as well. That seems to be a bit of a clue to me that maybe in that year, 2025, is when the Habs might be wanting to look at, you know, getting over that hump and getting back into the playoffs. They've stacked a lot of picks for the 2025 draft. I don't think they're going to make all of those selections. I don't think all those selections are even going to be theirs by the time that draft rolls around. I think they're going to use those picks uh, in the future to do something. So I give it an A minus um, because, you know, you, you get a player that maybe has an opportunity to add even more picks for you in Tanner Pearson uh, and you get a pick and you move out a goaltender that was probably not going to be playing games for the Habs this year anyways. You've been listening to Habs and Minded, Habs and Minded Extra with Patrick Bexel and Matt Drake. Thank you all for joining us and we'll be back shortly with the regular episodes. And uh, if I if I guess right, I think we'll have a women's hockey pod coming out this week as well. Thank you so much. Mm.
The God of Mischief is back and better than ever. Loki. 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 Wow. Great to see you again. Critics agree. Loki season two is marvelous. Great. And it's finally here. How much do you know? Let's assume I don't know much. A mind-bending adventure. Spectacularly cinematic. I've been waiting for a moment like this. It surpasses all expectations. A little over the top, don't you think? I thought it was spot on. Loki season two. Now streaming only on Disney Plus. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.